In the year between my college graduation and beginning seminary, I spent every Tuesday night from August to May in a disciple Bible study class with others at my church, Green Street United Methodist in Winston-Salem. This was my workbook that I still cart around and carry with me. The pastor was very clear that in order for this group to work, we had to truly commit to the work of reading the Bible and engaging seriously with the questions in the workbook and attend a two and a half hour class faithfully. In his words, we were going way beyond Bible study. And as a 20-something college graduate living alone, it was rather intimidating to decide in August that for the rest of the year, this gap year I had given myself, that I was going to spend every Tuesday night at church discussing Genesis to Revelation in a very diverse group that started out around 20 people and ended up being about 11. But my two best friends from the church... The three of us, we decided we were going to do this together. We were all going to be going to different places after that year was up. So we also thought this is a part of our friendship that we wanted to experience and nurture together, to grow in faith together, because we would all be moving on, getting married, going to school, getting promotions and jobs in other cities once that year was over. Now, of course, there were weeks I did not want to go. I didn't feel like reading all 66 chapters of Isaiah in one week. And there were other weeks where I absolutely crammed the readings for First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon during my lunch break and in the church parking lot before running in just before the videos started. But I did make a commitment, as did all the others, to the process, to the work that would be taking place in us, among us. And it depended on the intentionality of everyone to accomplish this deepening practice of discipleship. And so at the end of class, the end of May, the 11 of us who finished, plus Pastor Kelly who led us, we wrote letters to one another affirming the gifts for ministry and service to God and the world that we had discussed and discovered in ourselves and in each other. After all of those many months, tending and deepening our relationship with God and with each other in the world. So this ratty piece of paper was part of my notes to myself, and I pull it out every so often as a reminder that before I began seminary, something was happening inside of me that was leading me to a place like Providence. And so some of the messages that remind me of my gifts come from Pastor Kelly, who recognized a kinship in ministry an apostle, a prophet, a healer with a calm presence in the storm, a wounded healer, rooted in stability, able to provide quiet confidence, a gentle leader with intellect 
and firepower to back it all up. I still think I'm living up to that one. You know, this was going on nine years ago. And I haven't done anything like that since. But I have never forgotten what an impact a small community of Christians who were committed to praying and studying the scriptures together made on me. It changed my life. And if I weren't already going to seminary, I would have started that process. It was that transformational. The book of Acts, or the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, records the formation of communities around storytelling and studying the sacred texts. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those in the upper room and the dramatic increase in their number, the followers in this Jesus movement did three things. Devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and devoted themselves to prayer. These three things formed the core of intentional faith development. Diving deep into the story of Jesus and creating space for recognizing how another individual's story intersects with the God story happening all around. They broke bread together just as Jesus said to do and in the process remembered all the times that Jesus did the same thing at tables of rich and poor, Jew, Samaritan, and Syrophoenician, widows and never married women, on hillsides and in boats. And they remembered to pray together in passionate worship, expecting to encounter the holy. They'd already experienced the multilingual revelation of God's love and power. So their openness in anticipation that something new was coming was all the more great. Day by day, Acts says, this was the routine. And ever since then, churches for two millennia have aspired to get back to this way of life. And I think there really is, there really is something to that. Returning to the fundamentals, the bedrock essentials of faith and community. But also, we're not going back there. Time doesn't work that way. And also, the early disciples didn't stay in communities like that either. They grew and expanded and kept interacting with the world around them, taking on different flavors, practices, rituals, and languages of faith. They didn't stay in that upper room small enough to share everything. They grew because the message and the way of life they were living was contagious. People wanted to know what that was like. So by definition, the group changed as it grew. And the fact that the church exists now, still two millennia after that change and adaptation, means that as the world changed and developed, faith changed and developed right alongside it. 
And I think this development was intentional. It needed to go beyond the bare minimum, needed to ensure survival. Faith development practiced intentionally is what Jesus describes as abiding like vines abide on the branches, such that you can't tell where the vine ends and the branches begin. It's all connected. There's a kind of trust, you know, built on the vulnerability of giving and receiving inherent in vines, roots, and branches. Where the whole organism shares in the hospitality of life that holds everything together in a way that allows for growth and questions and exploration while abiding still in the strong vine rooted in the nourishing love of God. And it's this quality of the early church that I'd like us to think about and strive for. The blend of joy and vulnerability, of awe and wonder, a willingness to eat together and pray together and be worked on together by the Spirit in our present moment. Abiding in the midst of change and growth and uncertainty in the roots of God's love. For we are a 21st century church called to be true to ourselves and the spirit that roots us in the here and now, not held to a standard from centuries ago, that itself adapted to the times as the faith grew and matured. We're called to abide in community, to practice hospitality and worship with an energy that spreads among us and out from us, that plants and nurtures seeds that becomes the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know those fruits of the Holy Spirit. You probably learned the song. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits can't be harvested without relationship. They cannot be shared without community. They cannot be tended and multiplied without an invested commitment to the spirit that holds us all in common. This is faith development way beyond Sunday school. But the seeds and fruits of the spirit are planted and nurtured there. I wouldn't be here without the seeds from Miss Henline and Mr. Green, my earliest Sunday school teachers that I remember. Planting the seeds that God loves me, that God loves this world inside of me. And you all probably have similar teachers that have come to mind or those who have mentored you, loved you, and encouraged you along the way. But Sunday school is not the only place that that happens. Here at Providence, Monday night at the Beasley's is one of those places. Free for all on Tuesday mornings and Linton study groups are others. But have you ever thought, this thought occurred to me this weekend, that the practice of intentional faith development happens in our business meetings? I suggest that it's actually in our business meetings that we really see 
the fruits of our faith development. When everyday disciples take their own spiritual growth seriously and immerse themselves in the study of Scripture, in prayer, and in fellowship, they understand the point and purpose of church and ministry differently. Business consultant and management guru Peter Drucker has said, the function of business in a church is to make the church more church-like, not make it more business-like. How in our business discussions can we make faithful decisions for our congregation that take into account our various skills in business, finance, accounting, law, and keep our sights set on the purpose of the church, which is derived in the life, meaning, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are we faithful in our discussions of our present realities and future expectations? Are we faithful to our mission and living by our values? All of which say we are rooted in the Holy Spirit's presence and guidance among us. Every week, it's the first thing we proclaim about who we are on the cover of our bulletin. Are we willing to be so led by the imagination of the Holy Spirit? Faithfulness to God, to one another, and to this body of believers that we are all part of means no one needs to leave a business meeting feeling unheard, unsafe, shut down, overwhelmed, crushed in spirit, or wishing what they could have felt comfortable enough to ask a question or ask for help. Faithfulness to the spirit that is in us and among us means holding on for dear life sometimes to our joy, to what brings us to this place of sharing life together and holding the work of all of us in common, knowing that who we are depends on all of us investing in the process of being led by the Holy Spirit to worship with integrity, inquire with open minds, and minister with compassion in order to proclaim the reign of God as revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our statement of mission. And as we practice empathy, compassion, vulnerability, and love to that end, we are reminded of what Brother Jesus has said. And I love the interpretation Eugene Peterson gives to the gospel passage read earlier. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. I told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, 
and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way that I love you. This is the very best way to love. Remember you didn't choose me. I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. So remember the root command. Love one another. May it be so, beloved. May it be so. Amen.